بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Since it's the beginning of the month, the fasting month, the blessed month of Ramadan there are several verses in the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about this month. And while we read them once, after that we generally hear um, lectures about it, it's a good idea to remind ourselves directly using Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's verse, verses, his words directly, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us, what we're being promised in the month of Ramadan, what are some of the rules and regulations of this. So this is Surah Al-Baqarah, and those, is there a transmission here? Yeah. yeah, those who are at home, they can take a Qur'an and they can follow along because there's several verses. It starts off with verse 183 of Surah Al-Baqarah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كُتِبَ عَلَيْكُمُ الصِّيَامُ كَمَا كُتِبَ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ O people who believe, fasting has been prescribed upon you, has been written for you, has been prescribed and obligated on you, just as it was prescribed upon the people before you, so that you can gain taqwa. You've heard this verse many times. One of the reasons for telling us, one of the reasons for telling us that this fasting was also obligatory on the past nations. It's one of the most historical forms of worship, devotions to Allah. And what's really unique about it, that you don't do anything in fasting. You actually don't do something. You're actually told to abandon something, as opposed to in salat, where you're actually supposed to raise your hands, face the qibla, do wudu, etc. In fasting, you literally don't do anything. Well, that's the basics of it. So it's an abstinence, and there's huge benefits from it. And it was uh, prescribed upon the previous nations. There is a hadith in Tabarani, an interesting hadith that among the Christian uh, nations, and the Nasara, the Nazarenes to be more particular, right? People refer to them as Christians, but it's gone through many changes. But the Nazarenes, they also had fasting prescribed to them, 30 days. Now what happened is that there was one of their leaders or somebody was ill. So they decided that we're adding another 10 days, you know, for the blessing for it. So that, that became 40 days. Then another leader, he had another issue. So he added seven days this time. I'm not sure why the first one did 10, now it's seven. I guess it was getting a bit much. So it became how many days now? 47. And then a third leader, he became sick or something like that. He had some issues. So he decided we might as well make it to 50. I don't know if anybody has any uh, knowledge of Christianity and their fasting. Of course, their fasting today is very different. You fast from certain objects only, right? So that's why when we tell Christians, and I've told Christians that we fast, they said, even from water. Yes, it's not just from Coke or not just from Mitai or from pizza or desserts. You know, that's something which you like only. That's some other traditions. That's their fasting. They have to decide what I'm going to fast from, preferably something or... Uh, most likely something that is a challenge for you. So I'm not going to have any chocolate for 30 days. I guess that would be much easier. So the other, the, the other reason Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us past nations is because fasting is not easy. It's an inaction. 
meaning you don't do something, which means you abstain from food, drink, and sexual intercourse. But it's difficult because we're so used to these things. They're halal, generally. And we're so used to them and they're available. Right? Um, so uh, one of the psychological reasons of telling people like, oh, it's, it's, it's prescribed upon you, but it was prescribed upon many nations before you. That means humans have done it before. Humans have been pretty much the same. Right? We might have new gadgets today, but humans have been pretty much the same. So you should be able to deal with it because this is a physiological issue. So humans have done it before. You should be able to do it as well. But the main thing is, So that you can gain taqwa, which is an optimal uh, objective of this, is that you gain taqwa, which essentially means God-fearingness, to fear God, to be conscious of God rather. And this is the one thing that... Uh, Many of the ulama who've discussed this, Mufassirin, have mentioned. The purpose of this is not that you just, this is like a little blitz in the middle of the year where for one year we change our style of things, we change our scope, we change our timetable, we change the way we do things, and then suddenly after Ramadan it literally goes back to the same thing. Because for a lot of people that, that's what happens. It's Ramadan, I can't do it. Just wait until Eid day, and we're back on what we used to be before. In fact, Shaitan is locked up during the days of Ramadan, right? And this is an observation. And think about this. And be careful about this. I mean, I've got one more lecture here. But just keep this in mind. A lot of people, they have reported their worst day being Eid day. In what sense? They've abstained from something for all 30 days. They've done very, very well. There was an addiction that they had. They abstained for 30 days. And they said, on the day of Eid, I was in my room. It was the evening and I messed up. Not even a day. Why? Shaitan comes back out with a vengeance. He wants to delete everything. So that taqwa is gone. What Allah wants us to do is the fasting has been prescribed because it's a training. When you have younger children, we tell them don't do this. We tell them respect your elders. So the purpose is that they're not supposed to just respect the elders in a certain place or a certain time period. That's we teach them. Did your parents tell you to respect your elders? You did, right? So now, do you only have to do that in front of them? Or are you actually supposed to do that now throughout the rest of your life? MashaAllah, good student. Good kid. Allah bless you. And your parents. Um, if I use kids as an example, you should make dua for them, right? So, likewise, Ramadan is a, literally a nurturing time for us of 30 days. The purpose is not just for this time. It's actually supposed to continue. I think a simple way, I don't want to take too long because we've got a lot of verses to, carry, uh, to, con to complete. But a simple way is that let's try to evaluate our Iman level. At what level are we in our Iman before Ramadan? So if you say that, okay, I'm doing a 5 out of 10. That's my Iman level. I mess up a bit, but I'm, I'm okay. You know, I make my Salats and I try to do this. So if my level is 5, your level could be 7, your level could be 2, 9, whatever, right? You get into Ramadan and generally, alhamdulillah, everybody's level goes up. Because shaitan is out of the picture, everybody, that communal environment is created, so level goes up. You're doing more worships and things like that. I mean, I'm assuming our iman goes up, right? From 5 to 6, 7, maybe 8, and Laylatul Qadr, maybe it goes down to 9 or 10. You know, we might even hit that, alhamdulillah. Now what happens after Ramadan, the purpose of it is that if we finish Ramadan and we go back to level 5 again, like literally just go back to doing everything the normal way, and not learn and endure, keep anything enduring from Ramadan, then the purpose of Ramadan has not been met. 
purpose of Ramadan is to have boosted us. Okay, if we get to an eight, let's just say safely, in Ramadan we get to an eight. After Ramadan, let's not drop down to five. Okay, if we're going to drop because shaitan is back out, right? then let's drop to a seven maybe. Maybe a six, but not below that. We must have learned something. So every Ramadan will get better. So that before we die, inshallah, we're in a better place. Thereafter that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَيَّامًا مَعْدُودَاتِ فَمَنْ كَانَ مِنْكُمْ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِيقُونَهُ فِدْيَةٌ طَعَامُ مِسْكِينَ فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ وَأَنْ تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ this is an obligation, there's hardship in there. Allah is trying to make it easy for us. He is making it easy for us. He said, look, these are a certain numbered days. You only have to fast for a numbered days. And when you're told, it's only for this long, okay, I'm willing to take it. If, if it's endless, it's going to get difficult psychologically. Humans are a product of their psychology, their perspective on things, right? You could have two brothers, two sisters, born in the same house, eating the same food, same parenting. But one, mashallah, is just a lot more on the ball than the other one. Because their psychology is different. The way they look at the world is different. So it's only a number of days. And okay, if any of you are sick or ill or on a journey, then you can fulfill these days in, an, in outside of Ramadan, in other days. So Allah has made it easy if you're sick. And um, I'll, I'll mention a few of the jurisprudence points here. Uh, that um, a lot of people ask this. You're only allowed to forego the fast. So this is talking about not fasting. It's not about breaking the fast. It's don't fast, meaning you don't have to fast if you're traveling. That's as long as your travel has begun <coughs> by sehri time, by suhoor time. So the beginning of the fast, you're traveling, you are allowed to forego the fast. If you're going to fast, if you're going to travel at 12 o'clock, your flight is at 12 o'clock, you're not really allowed to uh, not fast, right? Yes, once you do travel and if it becomes there's a real hardship, like really unbearable hardship, then you can break your fast. Only one qada will be necessary, uh, meaning one makeup fast. You don't have to do the 60. The 60 is only obligatory in Ramadan fasts when you break it on purpose without a valid excuse. If you're doubtful about your excuse, just consult a scholar about that. Likewise, if you're sick, Sickness here means not just a bit of a headache. A lot of people actually get a bit of a headache on the first day of Ramadan. Is that right? Do you know why? Dehydration. That's why the trick is, what they say is that irrigate yourself from a day or two before, drinking extra water. A lot of the time headaches, unless they're chronic headaches and migraines and other specific ones, they're due to de dehydration. So that's what happens. And then sort our diets out in suhoor time. Instead of a lot of gassy carbs, be careful about what we eat. Right? And inshallah, that should keep us going. Subhanallah, there's people with diabetes. They're apprehensive before the month of Ramadan. As soon as Ramadan comes in, they, you know, on a normal day, you'd be shaking. A guy with diabetes by 4 or 5 o'clock, not, not had any sugar, not had any food, they'd be low blood sugar. But subhanAllah, ajeeb barakah, even in those long days that we just passed for the last few years, you know, 23-hour fast, you know, I mean, not, not that that was here, but on one occasion I did a 23-hour, I think 25-hour fast coming back from Australia, right? And Allah, I, I was ready that I'll break it, 
I'm going to keep it, but I'm going to break it if anything happens. Alhamdulillah, it was actually very, very easy. Allah makes it easy. Of course, there are, people are going to have difficulty. So that's fine. If you have a difficulty, you can keep it up. Now, here it says that um, it's better that you fast. And those who, those who cannot fast, they can pay a fidya. I want to clarify this. A lot of people call and they say, that I've got a sickness right now. I'm, I'm having to take um, these medicines three times a day. And the days are long, so I can't fit it in during the eating hours. So, and they're absolutely necessary. Otherwise, I, I get fits or something like that. So in that case, that's understandable. Can I pay a fidya? Well, you can pay a fidya if you want to, but you'll still have to fast. Basically, the rule here is that if you are going to be able to fast on another day, like in December, short days, or any time in your life later on, then you will have to make up for those fasts. Fidya does not suffice. Fidya, the, which is, you can say, the expiation for every misfast, which is similar to your sadaqatul fitr amount, it's basically feeding a poor person two meals, approximately, costs four, five, five, six pounds, probably a bit more now, that inflation, right? That is only for those people who become terminally ill and terminally unable to fast forever. If such people give fidya and then after that they actually become better, mashallah, miraculous cure, they'll have to fast. And then Allah says, شَهْرُ رَمَضَانَ الَّذِي أُنزِلَ فِيهِ الْقُرْآنُ هُدًى لِلنَّاسِ وَبَيِّنَاتٍ مِّنَ الْهُدَى وَالْفُرْقَانِ فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْ وَمَنْ كَانَ مَرِيضًا أَوْ عَلَى سَفَرٍ فَعِدَّةٌ مِّنْ أَيَّامٍ أُخَرٍ يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ بِكُمُ الْيُسْرَ وَلَا يُرِيدُ بِكُمُ الْعُسْرِ وَلِتُكْمِلُوا الْعِدَّةَ وَلِتُكَبِّرُوا اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا هَدَاكُمْ وَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ Then Allah gives us an incentive that the month that you're supposed to fast in is Shahru Ramadan, is the month of Ramadan. And it's the one in which the Qur'an was revealed. Now the Qur'an was revealed over 23 years, bit by bit, munajjaman as they say in Arabic, but it was revealed in one night in Laylatul Qadr of Ramadan from the seven heavens to the first heaven. See the Kaaba is the special house in this world that is associated with Allah. It's called the Baytullah, the house of Allah, the Kaaba. Directly above that, on the seventh heaven is Baytul Ma'mur, Al Baytul Ma'mur, the inhabited house. That's the Kaaba of the angels. And the hadith mentions that every day, uh, no, every time there's 70,000 angels that go around and do tawaf. 70,000 angels that do tawaf of there. Now, any angel who's done tawaf once, they'll never get an opportunity again. That's how many angels there are. There's just not enough. It's just literally one after the other. And... Uh, I guess maybe rightly or unrightly, people are complaining about how many tawafs you can do uh, in the COVID restrictions, and I'm not here to make a judgment, but just to give you an idea, angels only get to do one tawaf. Now, it looks like on each of these heavens, we have seven heavens, right, up to the seventh one. On the first one, the heaven is called Baytul Izza, the house of might. That is where the Quran was initially revealed, all in one go, all together. And then from there, Jibreel used to take it and bring it bit by bit over 23 years. That's why Ramadan is the month in which Laylatul Qadr is. And Laylatul Qadr is the night in which the Quran was entirely revealed in one go. But not to the world, but to the first heaven. In fact, there's narrations about 
the scriptures of Ibrahim salam and the other divine scriptures also being revealed during the month of Ramadan. So there is a question, was Ramadan dignified by the revelation of the Quran? Or was Ramadan chosen because it was already dignified? Allah knows best, but it's a dignified time, right? That's for sure now anyway. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the Quran. The Quran is a guidance for people. It's also very clear. Bayinat, it has clear signs, clear evidences, right, of guidance and of criteria. Because it's from one of those books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, scriptures of Allah that provide guidance and that provide criterion between the right and wrong. That's the whole purpose of the Quran is the criterion between right and wrong. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says something really interesting. He says, whoever among you witnesses the month, he should fast it. This tells us so many different things. Basically, anybody who's alive in the month of Ramadan and who's awake and conscious and they experience the month, fasting becomes obligatory on them day by day. Now, just a bit of tangential issue is that if there's somebody in a coma from the beginning of Ramadan, he never saw and was not conscious in the beginning of Ramadan until the end of Ramadan, he doesn't have to keep any qada. Right? But if you witness, if they were awake and conscious even for a moment of it, they would have to repeat the fast. Likewise with prayer. You know, when I was younger, I used to think women get time off for prayer. But men don't. Is there any time, is there a holiday for prayer? Couldn't find any holiday for prayer for men anyway. Right? But men are fine with that. Alhamdulillah, we pray. No problem. Right? Women get it off on their monthly periods. So... However, there is a time you can get it off, but it's an extreme situation. Right? When do you get prayer time off? When you don't even have to do qada? Does anybody know? Well, of course. <laughs> of course, when you're dead, yes. But anything else? Yeah, so if you're either unconscious or in a coma, like totally gone for over five prayers, then prayers are generally in a package of five. That's what Allah has obligated on us. Prayer is a package of five. So if you, like a whole day's prayer was missed because you just weren't conscious. Or another one was, if somebody's so paralyzed, and there are people, they're so paralyzed, they can't move anything, except maybe their eyes. They, they physically just, uh, I forget the word for that. Uh, they just cannot move any part of their body. If you can't move your part, you can't pray. Well, no, no, that's, no, these guys, their minds are fine. They're not in a mind vegetative state. They're conscious, they're mashallah, they just can't move. Now, another madhab does allow, the Shafi's do allow you to pray with your eyes. But the Hanafi said, no, that's, that's not going to work. You need to at least be able to move your head to pray. Like if you could just move your, your neck, that would be enough for you to do ruku and sujood. But if you can't move that, then again, salat is cancelled for you if it's in packages of five. But inshallah, Allah not allow us to be in that state. That's just if you've got a family member or somebody who's struggling like that, uh, consult otherwise, you know, if you're confused about that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, whoever witnesses the month, you need to fast. Now, another thing I want to clarify is that people take flights in Ramadan. Now, if you're going east, you're going into time, so iftar is going to be, if you want to fast, fast, then you just get on a flight and go east and Maghrib will come very fast. Okay? So people say, or if you're going west, that's why I've been to Canada once, and my fast was about 22, 23 hours. So I left about 12 in the afternoon, I got there about 7, and there was still 2-3 hours left for 
iftar and it was a long fast. Then once I came back from Australia two years ago, left after Sehri there, Fajr time, and got here about five o'clock. That was about a I don't know, 25 or 26 hour fast. Um, so that's longer. Either way, what time do you consider for your prayers in a plane, for example, when traveling? What are the time? Do you take your destination time or do you take your home time? Which one do you take? Home time or destination time? Home time. You think home time. Put your hands up if you think home time. Okay. And how many think destination time? And the rest of you? There you go. There is a third option. That's a trick question. Yes. So it's actually based on this. It's what you observe. You forget your home time and your destination time. You see sunset outside. That's your maghrib for you. You see sunset outside, that's your maghrib for you. You see the sun, the dawn of fajr, that's your fajr time for you. And sometimes, you know, these airlines, they do help you out. There are certain apps that you can figure this stuff out. And uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to do things, where you're actually doing it in the natural way, where you're actually looking. And it's not just a timetable that you're following. It's really interesting. You feel really close. Like, yeah, I'm really doing this. Right? Try it next time you travel. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, okay, again, same thing. If you're sick, whoever is sick, whoever's on a journey, they can fulfill these days later on. But it's better for you to, uh, as Allah said in the previous one, if you're on a journey, and if it's going to be an easy journey like many are these days, it's better for you to fast. It's superior for you to fast, but you do have the right to not fast if you started off on a journey. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, Allah wants ease for you. He does not want to create difficulty for you. Allah clarifies that. And then he says, it's so that you can keep, I'm mentioning all of these things Allah says, so that you can fulfill the number, the 30 days. Right? Similar kind of idea. Let's just say you started your fast in a place where they started a day later. And then you came to another place and it was going to be Eid the next day in that area. You'd have to follow them. You can't be the only one not to do an Eid. Right? and keep fasting when everybody else is fasting. But you've only got 28 fasts. Minimum must be 29. So what you do is you keep a qada afterwards of one day. So any month of Ramadan must have minimum 29, and otherwise 30, but nothing less than 28. Sorry, nothing less than 29. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and so that you glorify Allah on His guidance to you, and so that you are thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this ease that He's creating. This was an obligation on the nations of the past as well, but Allah is creating a lot of ease for you when you can do it, because the purpose of fasting is not to make it difficult. The purpose of fasting, as Allah mentions here, is لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ is only one benefit He's providing. There are hundreds, thousands of benefits of fasting. Right? People have discovered this. I mean, now it's a time of diets. So, you know, people are discovering the five and two diet which is the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to fast on Mondays and Thursdays. And they're discovering, uh, there's numerous discussions from a nutritional perspective and from a physiological and biological perspective of the benefits of fasting. And the exact change and the trajectory of that change as it goes through from the first day of Ramadan to the 30 and the different feelings you have. You know, your, your experience must have been that for the 30 days of fasting, you don't exactly feel the same way every day. There are times when it gets a bit more difficult. And at times when it gets easier, and there's a lot of that, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala adds a lot of incentives to make this easier for us. 
Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 186, Really interesting. In the middle of this discussion, it's about fasting, right? It's going to continue that discussion afterwards. But in between, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When my servants ask about me, then tell them basically that I am close. Ramadan is a time when a person feels closer to Allah. The day before Ramadan and the day in Ramadan, the masjid sees double occupancy, right? It's just the rates have gone up. In a hotel, you pay for them, right? When there's, as soon as COVID restrictions went, everything went up. In Ramadan, mashallah, people come out, they've avoided the masjid. Now they feel like they want to come. Who brought them? Why did they come? Nobody forced them to come. They just suddenly appear in Fajr, mashallah, Dhuhr, Asr. Masjid starts becoming small. Hey, we need to be, build a bigger mosque. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's amazing. The shaitan's out of the picture. And there's the incentive is there. And I think it's spiritual. You, just, you know, even if you don't think about it, you know. Unless you're really messed up. And you want to break into hellfire. Because hellfire is closed. The door of hellfire is closed in Ramadan. The door of paradise is open. So unless somebody really wants to be bad, mashallah, there's an amazing feeling in Ramadan. And you're just carried. Just amazing. Um, after Ramadan, you think we'd have this kind of gathering? Inshallah. Inshallah. Right? Don't abandon your mosque after Ramadan. Don't abandon your iman. Don't abandon Allah. Right? I respond to the call of any caller. When he calls me, when he petitions me. So he should seek from me an answer. He should seek from me. And he should... Believe in me so that he can gain guidance. You know, there are two times. There's many times, but there are generally two times that work for many people where their du'as are accepted. One is Ramadan and the other one is Hajj. Problem is Hajj is a bit of an elite kind of worship where you have to go somewhere and everybody can't go all the time. But Ramadan comes to us. So it's for everyone. Ramadan comes to us. So the idea is that lots of people, they experience, and you, you probably have this experience, that I got my du'as finally accepted in Ramadan. Like I can, I'm just trying to think because I've promised questions here. So that's why otherwise tens of examples of du'as being accepted in Hajj or in Ramadan. It's that time when Allah is in a giving mode. So in the middle of the discussion of Ramadan, you'll see it carries on. He says, I am close. Tell everybody I am close. I respond to those who ask. You know, we should ask Allah everything. Let's just say you go outside and it starts, you see that it might rain. Read, Allahumma hawalayna wa la alayna. Oh Allah, around us, not upon us. And how many a time that rain will not bother you or it will not rain? You have fasting. You're fasting. And suddenly you see an allergy coming on. Or something else where you need to take tablets, otherwise it just goes up. Hold that place, like your nose, if that's the case, or your head. Allahumma rabban nas, adhi bil ba's, washfi anta shafi, la shifa'a illa shifa'uka shifa'an la yugadiru saqaman. Oh Allah, you're the, you're the curer, there is no cure except your cure. That's the whole dua about shifa, seven times. And mashallah, you'll see the benefits. 
you've just had a bit of an issue with somebody. Allahumma allif bayna qulubina. Allahumma aslih dhata baynina. Allahumma reform us. Reform the, what's between us. And subhanallah, Allah makes it easy. These are the du'as. We need to be in touch with Allah all the time. That's the consciousness. And they work. They work. On numerous occasions have I had been faced with a challenge of do, do I do this or do I do that? And it was a split second decision I had to make. Allahumma khirli wa khtardi. Oh Allah, choose for me and select the best for me. And you make a decision then, you know, based on a bit of a rumination and that dua and subhanallah, it works out to its benefit. That's the connection with Allah. Allah is close. He wants to give. Give him an excuse to give. Provide him an excuse to give. And Allah will give. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala carries on in the next verse. أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةَ الصِّيَامِ الرَّفَثُ إِلَىٰ نِسَائِكُمْ هُنَّ لِبَاسٌ لَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لِبَاسٌ لَهُنَّ عَلِمَ اللَّهُ أَنَّكُمْ كُنْتُمْ تَخْتَانُونَ أَنفُسَكُمْ فَتَابَ عَلَيْكُمْ وَعَفَى عَنْكُمْ فَالْآنَ بَاشِرُوهُنَّ وَابْتَغُوا مَا كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ وَكُلُوا وَاشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْطُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْطِ الْأَسْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ ثُمَّ أَتِمُّوا الصِّيَامَ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ وَلَا تُبَاشِرُوهُنَّ وَأَنْتُمْ عَاكِفُونَ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ تِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهَا كذلك يبين الله آياته للناس لعلهم يتقون. Rather long verse, number of things mentioned in here. I'll need to tell you a story about this. What used to be in the beginning of Islam when fasting was initially prescribed. When fasting was initially prescribed, your fast began from when you fell asleep. Any time after Maghrib, if you fell asleep, dozed off, came from a tough day at work and said, let me just relax for a bit, your fast would begin. So you couldn't eat after that. Apparently there's one Sahabi who'd come back from the fields really, really, really tired and weary. He asked his wife, do you have anything? She said, I'll make something for you. And he fell asleep. And that's what he couldn't eat until the next day. And then there were others who, so you weren't allowed to eat, drink or have interaction, have intimacy. Uh, I'll just say that we have children here, mashallah. Right? You weren't allowed to have intimacy. So some couldn't help uh, making a mistake. Finally, they told the Prophet a number of reasons and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changed the hukum. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, it is halal for you now in the, in the nights of fasting to have intimacy with your spouses. They are a garment for you and you are a garment for them. They're your protective layer and you're their protective layer. And subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not prohibited fast, uh, eating and drinking after maghrib. Because the purpose of night is to persecute somebody. Or to put somebody in hardship, it's training. So likewise, halal intimacy is allowed after that as well. And thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah knows, Allah knew that you were betraying yourself. That there were mistakes that were made. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has relented to you. And thus he's forgiven you. So now you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to have the intimacy and go and seek what Allah has written for you. Encouragement to have children and, and anything else that is written for you. And now eat and drink. The change, the hukum now. Now you, you, even if you fall asleep, it's okay. You can now eat and drink until the white thread becomes distinct from the black thread. 
there's actually only one thread really, it's only one line. That's that line of dawn that comes, but that's the distinction. That as soon as the dawn comes in, that fajr appears, your fasting begins now. That's fajr time, right? That's what you call fajr, right? The eruption of that from the darkness. So you can eat and drink until that happens, essentially. So now it was allowed even if you slept in between. Um, both for our books publishing and for our uh, postgraduate institution, we chose the White Thread Institute and White Thread Publishing because it's a beautiful name from the Quran, but it sounds so mainstream and quite elegant, I think. I hope you guys think so as well. White Thread, it has a fiqhi basis and a Quranic basis. I really get excited when I read this verse. Right. You know, he's just talking about the white thread of dawn, but alhamdulillah. Right, what a simple idea, but such a profound idea that is. Thumma atimmusiyam. Now, then you, can com- then you should complete your fasting until the night. Once the dawn comes in, then you need to fast until the night time. A lot of people make mistakes when they explain to non-Muslims. Muslims fast from sunrise to sunset. They don't. Their, their fast would be broken if they ate before that. It's actually dawn to sunset. Everybody does it, but they kind of make this mistake. I've seen like these um, Islam awareness videos saying we fast from sunrise to sunrise. I said, you don't. Subhanallah, there was one made a few, a few years ago and they sent it to me and I said, this is a mistake. Oh, it's already done now, we're going to have to send it out. Subhanallah. Right. Um, when you're in i'tikaf, there's a, there's a discussion about i'tikaf. When you're in i'tikaf, you cannot have intimacy with your wife, with your spouse. And you're thinking, masjid, wife, what kind of connection are you talking about? And we don't see that today, you know? Well, you see, in those days, there were some houses around the masjid. The Prophet's chambers were around the masjid. And while he was in i'tikaf, sometimes he would put his head back and Aisha would comb his hair for him. So, touching in a non-intimate manner is allowed. But anything more than it will break your i'tikaf. Meaning, if intimacy in the full sense would break your i'tikaf. So, nowadays I don't think it matters, right? You are, res- you are in retreat. You don't. And amazing thing, one of our scholars, Mona Shavitan, he said that there are three, you can reduce Ramadan down to three things. Taqlilu al-ta'am, taqlilu al-manam, and taqlilu al-ikhtilati ma'al awam. It's really interesting. For, uh, the month of Ramadan is a reduction of Eating and drinking, of course, because we've got... A lot of people, you know what they do? They just say, we miss lunch, so we're going to double it in iftar. And they mess up the whole purpose of fasting. Really. And it, Okay, if I can't do it after taraweeh then. Come on, just wait. You're going to eat after taraweeh, stuff your stomach, go to sleep on a full stomach and wake up and eat more. Like, you can't do that. That's not the purpose. The purpose of it is that you, we actually eat less. That we actually eat less for the month. And may Allah make that easy for us. Look, I can understand you might have a bit more, you know, iftari time. Right? I can understand that, but come on, just, just... And then, reduction of sleep. Because the whole sleep schedule gets disturbed because of taraweeh. And then after that, what, uh, suhoor and so on. And then, the last one was reduction in the meeting with just general people. So, you know, we don't allow hermitude. We don't have hermitude where you're just completely isolated. We do etikaf in a masjid. When you do etikaf in a masjid, you will meet people, but they will be just believers that you'll meet. Because you'll meet other Muslims that come to the prayer. 
so you don't have to worry about anybody else. Do you know why Umrah and Hajj is so profound? That for those days or several days or weeks, two weeks, three weeks, whatever, all your, you're only with believers. That, that's an amazing idea, right? You don't have to worry about distraction, negligence, a lot of other things like that. I mean, it's minimized. Anyway, to move on, then it says, Allah finishes this uh, cluster of verses off by saying that these are the boundaries of Allah. Don't try to even get close to them. Don't try to violate them. Don't try to encroach upon them. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarifies his verses for the people so that they can gain taqwa and God consciousness because the whole purpose of this is God consciousness. Remember when I said, do du'as, even the smallest, it's God consciousness, to be constantly conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so that we do what he wants and we avoid what he doesn't want. And by this, I will end it because then the discussion slightly changes to something else. But that's ended with verse 187. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a better understanding of this and... Uh, the practice of it in the right way and allow us to fulfill the real spirit and objective of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the fasting prescribed upon us. So as promised, I mean, I can take a few questions only about fasting and Ramadan. Otherwise, we'd be here all day. Using toothpaste, uh, the, the, if any of it goes down your throat, your fast will break. If it just stays in your mouth because you are creating a refresh in your mouth and the flavor and so on, so it's makru and it's blameworthy, so you get reward diminished by that. Same with mouth freshness. If anything goes down, your fast will break. But if it just stays in the mouth and you rinse it out, then it's blameworthy. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakatiyat al-jalali wal-ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min al-walimeen. يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات يا الله bless us during this month يا الله shower us with your mercy drench us in your mercy in your forgiveness O oh Allah we ask you for your generosity O oh Allah, your generosity knows no bounds, especially during this month. O oh Allah, grant us and do not deprive us. Write us of those who are freed from the hellfire. Write us those that are freed from the miseries of the everlasting hellfire. O oh Allah, write us among those who are become your chosen servants. O oh Allah, make this fasting easy for us. Allow us to gain closeness to you. Allow us to rise in our Iman. O oh Allah, allow us to maintain our faith even after Ramadan. Allow us to gain the taqwa that the fasting is, is to provide for us. O oh Allah, allow us to fast in the proper way. And Allah, make our taraweeh and everything a source of great pleasure and, and blessing for us. O oh Allah, bless all of those who've established these masajid. And O oh Allah, allow us Allow us to continue to run them in the best way possible. Save us from the fitnas which are outside that seek to take our youth away and ourselves away. Oh Allah, there are many challenges out there. We ask that you protect us and our children and our progenies until the day of judgment with preserved iman and with good faith and with steadfastness on it. Oh Allah, we ask you to send your abundant blessings on our messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and grant us his company in the hereafter. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon wa salamun al-mursaleen. Alhamdulillah. Uh, the point of a lecture 
is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.